So my starboard bow line snaps, then my port bow line snaps, and then my stern line snaps. So what the actual bleep am I gonna do now? Hey there, and welcome to your pocket sailing instructor. I'm Penny Caldwell, and I have been a sailing coach for over 25 years now. I'm here to help you reach your sailing goals, whether you're looking for gear reviews, safety tips, or just some fun sailing stories. This podcast will have it all. Your Pocket Sailing Instructor is an educational and fun podcast about all things sailing. I plan on releasing weekly episodes every Thursday to help you end off your week on a high note. So grab your coffee and join me for your weekly dose of all things sailing. Happy Thursday, guys, and welcome to another episode of your Pocket Sailing Instructor. I'm Penny. I'm excited to have you join me again uh, this week for another episode. So this week, I am going to dig into a topic that I touched on in one of the previous episodes recently, but um, I felt like it needed a little bit more time, a little bit more um, in-depth, a deep dive, I guess you could say, uh, into what to do in this situation. And so recently, out here in Nelson, we had a really big windstorm come through. Um, I had checked on my boat the day before the storm came through. Everything was tied up, tickety-boo. I had bow line, I had two bow lines, starboard and port. I have a finger dock on the port side of my boat. Uh, so I had port bow line, starboard bow line. I had two spring lines that go from the uh, middle of my boat. So I have a spot on my tow rail where I, where I like to tie those off. So they go from the middle of my boat out to the T-cleats on the dock. And then I also have a stern line. And then, uh, unfortunately, this storm comes in. I get up the next morning. I check my emails, and I've got an email from the marina saying, both your bow lines have snapped and your stern line snapped. So I'm like, what the f*** am I going to do now? So I can tell you that it all ended okay, <laughs> other than uh, losing a couple hundred dollars worth of, of dock lines. Uh, and I can also tell you that I am very lucky that I have the relationship that I do with uh, not only the marina, but we have a couple of people who live permanently on um, one's in a float home and one is on their boat uh, at the marina. So when these types of things come up, when storms come through, I'm very thankful. They take a walk around. They have a look at the boats. They have a look to see is anybody uh, not tied properly and are they hitting the dock, maybe the bow spring line isn't isn't attached properly and they're hitting the the bow of the boat on the dock um, or in my case and many of the other boats unfortunately um, has one of the dock lines snapped so that's what we're going to dig into today and talk a little bit about the unexpected things that can happen and how to be better prepared what types of things that you can put in place, how to make sure that you have some good friends at the marina that will help you out, and also talk a little bit about what to do if your boat breaks free completely, such as when you're in a at a mooring ball, um, and what you could potentially expect with your boat running aground. All right, so before we get too far into this episode and I start pouring out my soul, I uh, just want to give a big shout out to my patrons. I want to have a big uh, high five to you guys, a big thank you 
for being my patrons and for helping me out. And for those of you who are not familiar with what I'm talking about, um, basically, I've set up a community on Patreon, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, it's a website where you can set up a community of people who want to support you as a creator. So for me, being a podcaster, I also write up blog posts specifically about all of these uh, podcasts that I record and I create freebies and all that good stuff. Um, so I have a group of people who are supporting me and who have um, pledged to be a patron. And basically what that means is I've set up different membership levels where you can go online and you can support me monthly for as little as $3 a month uh, to help me reach some of my goals as far as improving my website, uh, improving my blog posts and freebies and, you know, podcasting equipment and stuff like that, making sure that I have good audio for you guys and that everything hopefully sounds as, as good as it can. So I want to do a big shout out to my patrons patrons. I am going to be digging into some extra bonus things for you guys for sure. I'm going to be doing an entire episode on docking specifically and uh, just some tips and tricks. And docking is unfortunately one of those areas that a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people, um, I guess, kind of, you know, you get into your own head. And I mean, it happens to everyone, even happens to me sometimes where I'm thinking, all right, I've docked a thousand times, but for whatever reason, I'm feeling off today. I'm feeling like it's not going to go the way that I want. Uh, and I get into my own head and, and I just start overthinking it. So that's just something that happens every once in a while. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be working on some freebies for all my patrons, as well as some free episodes, podcast episodes, specifically just for the patrons. So if you are interested in that extra information, please do head over to Patreon and uh, look up Your Pocket Sailing Instructor, and you'll see I've set up some very basic membership levels there. And uh, yeah, thanks a bunch. And also thanks to all of you on Instagram and Facebook. Um, as you have probably heard now, I'm rebuilding my Facebook community uh, because unfortunately the Facebook monsters took it away at some point. My old page with uh, you know over a thousand followers has disappeared. So I'm starting from scratch and I think I'm up to 102 people now. Yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you followed my old page and you're uh, interested in following my new page, please do look up Sail Nelson on Facebook or follow any of the links that I've updated all over the website and all that jazz at sailnelson.com. And uh, you'll also find me there on Facebook. So thanks again for liking and sharing and supporting and blah, 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 all that lovey-dovey stuff. I really appreciate you guys. And it's it's really, it's funny because I really enjoyed doing this and um, knowing that people are listening and supporting kind of fuels me to keep going. So there you go. All right, so let's get back to our story here about my poor spindrift and how all of her lines snapped. She's a beamy lass. So just a reminder, spindrift is a 27-foot aloha. She's about uh, 6,300 pounds. So, you know, not, not too crazy, not too heavy, not too light, just, just right. Um, and yeah, basically we had gale force winds come through. Uh, this would be early to mid-November out here in Nelson. Uh, in Nelson here, we're on Kootenai Lake, which is surrounded by mountains. So the wind tends to funnel down through the mountains. It can really pick up some 
gnarly speeds. And also where we're located, uh, the marina, I'm at the Prestige Marina, which is down towards the end of the west arm of the lake. So basically the waves at this point are also building up quite a bit. So all of these things really add up to a little bit of uh, not so good. And in this case, basically what was happening is the waves were coming up, crashing onto the dock, also crashing onto the boat. And the water was freezing on the dock lines because it was so cold. So in this case, the line was frozen. Uh, there's a lot of tension on the line as well. So with the line being frozen, it's not able to stretch the way that it should. Um, and basically they snapped totally clean. So in my uh, notes here on this episode, on the show notes at salenelson.com forward slash podcast, I will go ahead and take some photos and I'll show you guys uh, what these dock lines looked like pretty gnarly. Um, again, I was very lucky that I had good friends who were able to save the boat. Um, but basically at the time I was using half inch dock lines, uh, just a typical kind of braided line with a, an eye splice in it. Nothing crazy. Purchased them at Binnacle probably about a year ago. I replace my dock lines every year. Um, and in this case, uh, this particular line is rated for boats that are 21 to 34 feet. So I figured I'm kind of mid range in that, that, that length. Uh, and they are rated for up to 8,400 pounds. So the brake strength on that is 8,400 pounds. So again, I thought I should be good. And when you think about it, I've got five different dock lines attached, two bow lines, two spring lines, and a stern line. Unfortunately, they were no match for this particular storm. And like I said, both bow lines snapped, stern line snapped. Very lucky that um, one of the people who live at the marina, they happened to see that the boat was basically trying to take off. Uh, they hopped onto the boat and in my aft locker, thankfully I left everything unlocked. And in the aft locker, I have a whole bunch of extra rope on board. Uh, these are old halyards, old sheets, uh, any kind of long length of line. And I do keep them on board specifically for this purpose. If an emergency comes up and I need a piece of, of line, I, ha I have a good rope available to me. Um, I have these ropes available to tie off as required. So thankfully they grabbed whatever they could find and cobbled together um, new bow line, new stern line, sent me an email right away saying, hey, head on down to your boat. Spindrift is in bad shape trying to take off on you. <laughs> I have no neighbor at this point in my slip, so they're finger docks. And normally there would be two of us kind of um, beam to beam, but I didn't have anybody beside me. So I was lucky at that point. But Regardless, if the boat had started to uh, drift over to starboard, then there's no way that my spring lines would have been able to hold the boat um, at that point. Once the wind was broadside, uh, the boat would have been gone and basically would have drifted into all of the boats that are docked on the other side because we're all stern to stern type of thing. So, so lesson learned there as far as 
upgrading the diameter of the lines that I'm using. So in this case, I have upgraded to the next size, which are recommended for boats between 30 to 40 feet in length. The brake strength on these ones are 9,500 pounds. And the other thing that I've gone ahead and done, and actually I already had two of these available, I just hadn't put them onto the mooring lines yet, um, is I highly recommend that you get yourself a snubber. So a snubber, uh, they're about $45 to 50 bucks. Uh, I can, they're on Amazon. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it's basically a rubber, um, yeah, a rubber piece that you put your dock line through and you wrap your dock line around. And the idea with these is that they take the strain that otherwise your dock line would take. So one year, actually, I had one of these snap on me because there was so much pressure on the dock line. Um, so I guess foreshadowing there, I should have paid better attention and uh, kind of put upgraded uh, some of my lines at that point. But um, so the snubbers take a lot of the extra weight and a lot of the shock. They're basically there to absorb the shock. And that's what really did it at this point. The combination of cold water freezing onto the, the dock line and then the constant pull and the shock of the waves just caused the line to completely snap. So my takeaways from checking on my boat at the marina, these are the tips that I have for you. If you know that you have strong weather coming in, double check your dock lines. So make sure that you have covered off all the ways that the boat will move within the slip. If you're in a dock, uh, in a slip, a finger slip or whatever. So you've got your bow lines, making sure that your boat is staying centered in the slip. You have your forward and aft spring lines, which stop the forward and back movement of the boat within the slip. So you want to make sure your boat is not going to go too far forward and potentially have the bow hit the dock. And then you want to have your stern line as well, making sure that the stern is going to be snug to your finger dock. Now, the one thing that I do see often with people who are tying off their boats to their dock is that they pull their dock lines a little bit too tight. So you do want to have a little bit of play in your dock line so that the boat can move within the slip within reason. So you want to let the boat kind of drift around and move, but without having it bang into uh, the dock and specifically that normally happens with the bow. So if your um, aft spring line, depending on how you have your spring lines tied, whichever spring line is stopping or preventing the boat, the bow from going forward, that is the line that you want to make sure is tied nice and snug so that the bow doesn't hit the, the dock at all. And obviously the other thing that we use to make sure that we're protecting the boat from the dock are your fenders. So as a responsible boat owner, hopefully you are checking on your boat regularly. Uh, you're keeping an eye on the weather. If you do have poor weather coming in, like we have these horrible winter storms that come through here in Nelson, I'm going by the boat to double check my lines. In this case, I am going to be upgrading my lines to the next size. So that might also be something that you look at uh, depending on the type of weather and winds that you have in your area. Look at upgrading your lines. And you could also look at 
uh, adding mooring snubbers to your lines as well, which are basically like a rubber shock absorber that you add to your line. So those would be my basic recommendations for how to make sure that your boat will be secure to the dock if you do have a storm or really heavy weather, anything like that coming through and you need to protect your boat. So that is if you are keeping your boat uh, at the dock. And the next thing that we see a lot of out here in Nelson, and it is definitely a growing trend um, across Canada that I've seen and all over the place, really, uh, is that a lot of boats now are tied off to mooring balls. So there's a few different things to think about with the mooring ball situation. So one is figuring out who has installed the mooring ball and what type of anchor setup do you have? Is it an adequate anchor to hold your boat, the weight of your boat? The next thing that you're thinking about as well, not just with the anchor, but is what is the ground and tackle situation as far as how well has that chain been fixed to the anchor? And also how well is the chain fixed to the mooring ball that you are going to be tying off to? So if you are comfortable with the anchor and the chain and the amount of weight that your boat has and that the mooring ball is going to hold your boat, you're doing good. That's great. <laughs> Moving on from there, the next thing that we want to take a look at is the setting up a proper bridle to tie off your boat to the mooring ball. So in this case, it is a lot harder or tends to be a lot harder to go and check on your boat when it's on a mooring ball uh, prior to a storm coming through. So out here in Nelson, again, we have a lot of boats that are uh, anchored on mooring balls just off of, we have soccer fields and a beach and we also have a mall. And so out here, it's a very rocky kind of shore. So some people will have, uh, oh gosh, I've seen all kinds of things, whether it's kayaks, I've seen stand-up paddle boards and canoes. Uh, some people have actual proper dinghies, but I've seen all method of transportation trying to go from shore over to the boat. <laughs> That's a whole other episode in, on its own. Um, but basically it can be a little challenging sometimes to head out to check on your boat, especially in the winter. If you're leaving your boat out in the winter, um, again, the water here gets very cold. Things get frozen and slippery. So if you're trying to stand, God forbid, on a stand-up paddleboard and paddle yourself 40 feet out to your boat, you could be getting into some trouble. So there's a whole other layer of complexity when you are trying to uh, secure and check on your boat when it's on a mooring ball. So if you're not able to get to your boat very often or check on it as often as you would like, then this is going to be really key for you to make sure that your boat is secure and attached and safe and sound. And that is making sure that your bridle and that the line or rope that you are using to attach your mooring ball to your boat is adequate enough. Um, there are a few different methods that people talk about with how to attach a uh, a boat to a mooring ball. I'm going to go ahead and put up a couple diagrams that I have of how I like to do it. And basically, let's say I have a mooring ball. I'm going to have a dock line cleated off on my port bow cleat. I'm going to take that dock line and I'm going to go through the eyelet at the top of the mooring ball. 
And then I'm going to bring that rope back to the same cleat on the port side of the boat and I'm going to tie it off. And then I'm going to do the same thing with another line that I will have on the starboard side of the boat tied off to a cleat. I'm going to go through the eyelet on the mooring ball and I'm going to tie it back off to my starboard cleat. So in this case, what I've done is I have created two lines that will basically help me balance the boat. And this is assuming that the eyelet on your mooring ball will swing properly and that the swivel on the mooring ball is working properly. Um, so mooring balls can be a little challenging to tie off to successfully and for long term. Um, so I could probably do an entire episode on that, but I will be putting together some diagrams. Uh, I will include one in the show notes for this episode, and I will also be putting together a more comprehensive, um, podcast and, um, I guess diagrams for my patrons as well. So you guys will be able to get that inside the patron section, uh, that is just for you guys. So if you do have your boat tied off to a mooring ball and you do have a storm come through like we had the other day and your boat breaks free, you are in a bit of a conundrum (laughs) and uh, you might have to do a bit of scrambling. So there's a bit of preparation or uh, maybe preparation might not be the right word, but a little bit of work that you can do to try and get yourself into a position to properly respond to something like this. Uh, so it would be a great idea to have names and phone numbers and contact information for people who have uh, power boats or gosh, even a tugboat, if you could find a tugboat, hallelujah. Um, but any kind of vessel that could potentially help you go out, tie off to your boat once it has broken free. And most likely what happens is they break free and it ends up getting stuck. The keel sticks into the bottom somewhere along shore. Somebody sees it, calls it in, and then you eventually get notified and you go from there. So on that note, one thing that I do on my boat on uh, my port windows, so the windows of the boat, I have my name and my phone number and it's taped on there and it says in case of emergency, contact Penny, my phone number and my email. So if at any point Spindrift goes afloat, goes missing, I don't know what, uh, something happens and I'm not around, I have identified who the boat belongs to as well as who you should contact if there's a boat problem. So I highly recommend uh, just, it's very simple, take a piece of paper, write your name, phone number, email on there and tape it anywhere on the inside of the boat so that somebody can see it when they're on the outside. And then that is a really quick way to provide somebody with contact information that often happens out here in Nelson where a boat will break free and will get stuck on shore. Somebody calls the local police and then the police call me and say, do you know who owns this boat? And then I start texting and emailing around and putting up Facebook posts to try and find out who the owner is of the boat if I don't know who it is. Um, So it'd be a lot easier if people were able to just put a quick note on the boat somewhere that says, this is the boat, this is who you should call, Thank you very much. So God forbid your boat breaks free and it runs, um, runs ashore, runs aground. Uh, 
and now you're stuck. So like I mentioned, it would be great for you to have a, a few people that you know who have power boats that would be large enough to help you pull your boat off. Definitely you want to wait until the storm has passed. So this previous storm that we just had, there were, uh, I would say about five or six boats that broke free. Not uncommon out here, unfortunately. Um, and some people were, you know, emailing around and can, can anybody go and get the boat and all this kind of stuff. And it's not worth it when the storm is still going. So you need to make sure that it is safe for you to go out. Um, if you're the one being asked to help someone and you're able to help someone, that's great. But remember as a skipper, your first priority is to your vessel and to your crew. So if it is not safe to go out and to help someone um, salvage their boat, that's not your responsibility. Uh, You need to do what is best for your boat and your crew. So just my little plug, safety plug there. So let's assume the storm is gone and now you can head out and you can salvage your boat. You can get it off of the ground. Hopefully it has dug in in a sandy area and not a rocky area. There are several different methods that you can use to get a boat off that has run aground. So uh, one of the easiest or first methods that you will probably try is trying to power off. So you would tie it off to a power boat and you would try to tow it off of whatever it's been stuck on. Uh, Another method that you could try to do is to try and heal the boat. So you would try to manipulate the weight on the boat or try to get the, the weight out as far as possible so that the keel can start to pull kind of out of whatever it's stuck in on the bottom. Again, maybe sand if you're, if you're lucky. Um, you can try to lighten the boat. So if there are supplies or things that you can take off of the boat to make it lighter, that could also help. And the one thing that people forget to think about, uh, in this case are your water tanks. So water tanks, if, if you have, you know, two tanks on board, that's quite a bit of weight. So you could think about pumping out your fresh water, empty out your fresh water tanks, and that will potentially float the boat because that could easily be a couple hundred pounds there. Uh, The other thing that you can do is called kedging. So kedging is when you take your anchor and you take it out to deep water and then you bring your anchor road back to the boat, usually back to a winch. And then you would wrap the anchor road around the winch and you would use a winch handle to slowly grind the anchor line and then slowly start to use that anchor to pull the boat off of the bottom. So um, this usually is done um, a beam. So the anchor would be a beam of the boat. So off the the middle or perpendicular to the boat. And then you're trying to pull the boat off that way. Again, I'll put together some diagrams to show what this looks like. Um, But that is another method that you could try as well to get your boat off of the bottom. And hopefully at this point, I haven't talked about this yet. Hopefully you're not taking on water. Uh, If you have damage to the vessel and you are taking on water, obviously the first order of business would be trying to uh, stop that water from coming in. One thing that works really well if uh, let's say it's damage to your hull and you have a crack on the hull, um, you could use a tarp 
and basically wrap it around the hull and just the pressure from the water will will help to uh, hold the tarp over the hole it actually works quite well i actually replaced a seacock or a through hull with that method i wasn't quite sure if i was going to go down with the ship or if it was going to work and thank god it worked <laughs> so um that's one thing that you could do if you are taking on water. So obviously if, if the boat does receive damage when it runs aground, then your first order of business is securing the vessel, uh, pumping out the vessel, making sure everything and every, everyone, I doubt there's anybody on board at this point, but is safe. And then from there, float it, get it off, whatever it's stuck on, get it back to your mooring ball or preferably maybe get it out so you can have a more in-depth look at your keel and some of the things going on there. So hopefully you have a little bit of a boating community that you can lean on uh, if something like this does occur to you and you have a situation where you're at a dock and your mooring line snap or potentially you're at a mooring ball and your mooring line snaps and you end up ashore and you have uh, some friends or some fellow boaters who are willing and able to come out and assist you. But really the moral of the story here is to check on your boat often, which I talk about many times. <laughs> uh, but even in my case, like I checked on my boat the day before because I knew a storm was coming in. Uh, hindsight for me, I definitely should have upgraded the diameter of the dock lines. I've now done that, spent another $300 on dock lines, but well worth, well worth it as an investment, considering I want to protect my boat. Um, if you don't want to necessarily upgrade your dock lines, you could add more dock lines. Uh, so maybe double up on your bow lines and your stern line and your spring line, stuff like that. That's what I did in the interim while I was waiting uh, for my new lines to come in. They still haven't arrived, but basically I have doubled up my bow line, stern lines and all that. So hopefully if something else crazy comes through, because we do get these crazy storms through here as the wind funnels through the mountains, I've got extra uh, lines already set up and already in place. So just uh, an idea there for you as well. And it's always good to just have a plan of action in place. So hopefully you're keeping an eye on the weather. You are keeping an eye on your boat. Um, and then you're in for a bunch of... Happy, healthy, safe sailing. So I'm going to end the episode there. I am really glad that you joined me this week for this unfortunate tale of how things can go wrong. And well, I mean, it shows that it can happen to anybody. I mean, I have been boating for well, my entire life since I was about a year old, according to my grandfather. Um, so I've kind of seen it all. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where sometimes you have to have something happen for you to realize, oh, I guess I should have done something differently. So, you know, in this case, I, I was kind of looking at my this year's dock lines because like I said, I replace them every year. And this year's dock lines, I was kind of like, meh they're a little flimsy but you know they're they're long and they're white and they just look so pretty and maybe they'll be okay i'll get away with it for this year yeah no no i didn't get away with it for this year i learned my lesson make sure i go with those higher gauge lines and make sure that i am ready for anything that mother nature throws at me so 
I hope you uh, don't have to deal with what I've had to deal with. I hope you learn from my mistakes. Hope you don't have any of your own, but that's why I'm here to share and help you guys grow in your boating adventures. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Bye.